Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for each other. It's great to be members with these people in a thing that the world doesn't understand, but we'd ask that we would understand it better. Time in your word, in your son's name. Amen. I was uh, thinking, I was in the tub this morning, and I had uh, been rolled out a little bit earlier than I knew normally am rolled out, so I had some extra time to float. It's like a, a sensory deprivation chamber. <laughs> you all right, Dave? But I was thinking about various conversations that occurred during the week. We had the whites over the other night with some other people, and the, then the night before there was a young lady from Missouri into the arts, and just all sorts of things come up, and certain passages start racketing around in your brain. And I was thinking of, uh, for some reason, I don't remember which conversation it was rooted in, but it was... Lord, Lord, did we not, and God says through Christ, no, you didn't. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So this stuck in my head, and I was saying, well, what? How do you get those people? The question that posed itself was, these are people who are claiming the religion that we belong to. To the point where at the last day, they're going to go, Lord, Lord, hey, 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 what am I, chopped liver? They're going, they, they, they say, well, hold it, we had, we, we filled out the card. We joined. And he's going to look at them and say, depart from me. In a very, very negative way. And I wondered how people got there. What, you want? So that we when I got up this morning and rolled my fat self into my library and the wife shimmered in with a cup of coffee, put it down. I thanked her. So I was looking at the passage out of Luke, which is the second half. And I and I wanted to I was looking at what it was saying in the Luke passage, Luke 13. And so I said, okay, what other passages would bear this out? Uh, because it has to do with righteousness. And anybody who's been in Christian circles long enough, they immediately go, oh, you will know them by their fruits. I said, I better go find that one. Went and found it in Matthew. And it turns out it's essentially the same message it has the narrow gate, the same as in Luke, and it is even addressing the same issues. So I said, okay, I'm on to something now. So let's look at Matthew 7. It's the end of the very end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And then we'll look at Luke 13. Because I want you to know what it is you're doing. 
Uh, we wrote, Leslie and I, a book on marriage. And one of the things we did, this is not about marriage this morning, was we said, okay, we've got to define what marriage is. Because if people don't know what there is, uh, they don't know what they're trying to achieve. Same is true with your Christian walk. If you don't know what the kingdom of God is, that can cause a lot of wasted time. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Tidy little passage, often ignored. Because what it tells, I don't know if you simplify this, pretty simple passage. But simplify it even further. A narrow, you ever got, you ever get caught, Doug used to shut me up in the rollaway bed, which gave me a strange abiding concept of narrowness as you tried to get out from between the two mattresses that you were shut up in. Whatever your concept of narrow, it's not a broad way. It's not a freeway. It's not the interstate. I told you before, I think of the time we were driving back from Nebraska, I think, and through Montana, and looked on the map. This is back in the days where maps existed, and there was a little line that led from uh, Anaconda over the bitter roots down into Hamilton, where we were trying to reach. So rather than going up the interstate, to Missoula, and then south, we were going to go across. There was a line on the map. I think the line on the map was wider than the road on the ground. There was nothing. We were at one point, at the top of this pass, if you want to call it that, it was grass. Not, not gravel. It was grass. And it was straight down on that side, one lane, if you want to call it a lane, because it was more of a meadow. <laughs> so I have lots of things. Doug shutting him up in the height of bed, this road from Anaconda. You know what narrow is. You know this isn't the way people go. It hasn't been made wider so bigger trucks can get bigger loads to bigger places and more exciting things. And it is hard. I think the King James says straight. That doesn't mean straight. It means difficult. Or maybe it's the word narrow that he used straight for. Anybody have a King James? Check it. And few people get it. Not wide, not easy. Not a lot of company, but it's life. The other side, which came first, the interstate, with the truck stops, with those nice on-ramps, off-ramps, easy. When we were in L.A. for Heather's funeral, one thing I can thank COVID for is L.A., during time of plague. Just hit the freeway, go where you want, 
No slowdown, no gridlock, nothing. That's what freeways are there for. High speeds. And then you get down into L.A. and there's 16 lanes. Not Maybe not 16 lanes. A lot of lanes because there's a lot of traffic. And it lets you know I'm someplace important. <coughs> a lot of people driving around. But <clears throat> it leads to destruction. The easy way, the wide way, where most people are going. Now, those are just truisms, factoids, things that you're supposed to put in your head and go, oh, the way to life isn't going to be wide, easy, many. And if your little emotional frame needs it to be wide, easy, and many, it doesn't change it. That still leads to destruction. Not because it's wide. It's, as, you know, it's, it's not some, some moral flaw in wideness or that many wouldn't be better if many people believe. Well, yes, it would be, but they won't. So if you insist on many, those that find it are few. If you insist on many, you'll be insisting on some kind of thing that it makes it so that you will say to the Lord at the last day, Lord, Lord, didn't we get a lot of people? Didn't we make the path to the church an easy one? Wasn't it seeker-friendly? Beware of false prophets, verse 15, who come to you in sheep's clothing. As you know what? Because you hear both these messages. And it's not always that the narrow, hard, and few are godly people. Let's just be frank about that, because sometimes they're just lousy pastors or difficult people. And let's hope I'm not one of those, but it's possible. Is the sour grapes. Yes, it's God doesn't want a large movement because that shows what fakers they are. Well, it isn't a large movement because people can't fake this, but there are other ways to have small groups being unlikable. But there is a desire on the part of everybody to come up with a way I can get that other list, the destruction list, into the life list, the wide, easy, many, over to the life. Well, this will get me there just as good, just as well. Back when they were putting interstates in, because some of us remember that, um, a lot of things got missed. A lot of towns got destroyed. You couldn't get there anymore. You know, I, I don't know if you remember. This is not interstate, but the road to Spokane. You've all driven it. There's a town on the road to Spokane called Colfax. And Colfax, may their name be blotted out, there's no place else to put the road. So it goes down the center of Colfax, and Colfax's budget is maintained by you not remembering to slow down from 26 to 25. So they pull you over. They have always pulled you over. They pulled you over before the road was better. 
But there's another town, another lesson north of Colfax called Roselia, which you have never seen because you drive right by it. Because they put a nicer road in, they had a place to put it. And now you got to choose to go into Roselia. How many have chosen? A few, five people. All right. Old timers. We know that once you start plotting where the wide and easy and many-laned road is going to go, it's going to miss some of the things that, oh, that was charming. I used to see, I used to drive through that town, and there was a great, you know, old mill there, or a great bar, or a great restaurant that I saw, or I always stopped at that gas station. But now you don't anymore because you decided that getting someplace efficiently was better than getting to the place you wanted to get. Oddly enough, we actually go places we don't want to go because the way is efficient. The way is popular. But we're still in, uh, in this. These, these truths are just sitting on us. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus Christ is talking here. Beware of the false prophets, sheep's clothing. So that means that what's going on in this struggle between the easy and the hard, the few and the many, the interstate and the two-lane road or the grass road, is the people that are recommending what's wrong want to look just like the people that are not. They want to be considered Christians. Inwardly, they're ravenous wolves, says the Lord. And then the famous verse that I was looking for, you will know them by their fruits. Now this is what, because as soon as we toss a measurement of what the kingdom of God is doing out there, people are going to naturally look at results. And the Lord asks, are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? So every sound tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears evil fruit. This is the kind of fruit, this is the kind of bush it's on, tree it's on. The quality of the tree is the quality of the fruit. Sound tree cannot bear evil fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So it's really important. What you think the fruit is that you're supposed to get. Because when, you're, when the judgment comes and you're wrong, and you're trying to explain to the Lord, Lord, I, I collected an awful lot of tithes and offerings for you over the years. You think that was the fruit? Our church had missionaries in every continent. Is that the fruit? We have brick buildings at our seminary. What's the fruit? You're supposed to know them by it. You better know what the fruit is. Not everyone who says to me, and then he repeats in verse 20, thus you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. 
but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Well, once again, the fruit, the will. This is the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of God, which means heaven and God get to decide what the laws are, what the rules are, what the intention is. There's going to be in this product the will of the Father. That's what the fruit's going to be. What is the Father will? If you think of it as a country, what are the exports of Christianity? Everyone who comes to him and says, Lord, Lord. They won't enter the kingdom of heaven. But that sounds like Lord, Lord. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, says that in 1 John. This guy, this person is referencing the right thing. I'm not following Krishna. I'm not following Apollo. I'm not following uh, other things. I, I'm uh, Jesus, yeah. Jesus is Lord. Let me repeat that. Lord, Lord. Because the right theology isn't the will of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, it's fine to be right. I enjoy it. I recommend it to you that you be right. But something else is the will of the kingdom of heaven. He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, once again, we've got the right form of address. We said, in the name of Jesus Christ. Remember that seven sons of the high priest, Sceva, who tried to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preached? I mean, their theology was, they're cutting it to not just Jesus, but the one that Paul preaches about. And the demon beat them up. And he's sort of rooting for the demon in that situation. I like this demon. He has a great realism about him. Because he says, I know who Christ is, and I know who Paul is, but who are you? And then beat them up, tore their clothes off. This comedy all around. Did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? The theology is not good enough. The theology is not the best thing. Yes, you need theology. Yes, you need to believe something. It's not just standing around going, uh, mumbling to yourself whatever meaning you feel is important and you get to be a Christian. No. There are defining elements of your theology, but it doesn't seem to be the thing that... Uh, makes you producing the fruit. The fruit has to be produced. Because when they said to Christ, Lord, Lord, they were right. He is Lord, Lord. They were right. Let's assume his theolo the th your theology is right. It's not enough. Neither is your ability to do works of power. People are going to come up on the last day with a full ministry. Lots of people. You know, I 
You know, I've told you I've gotten into arguments with Christians about joy. They, okay, you don't really mean that I have to be joyful all the time. Yes, I really mean that. I, I, it's just, it's obnoxious to me that someone would argue with you. You don't mean to say that you're giving me this $500,000 and I have to accept it. Yeah. They're arguing against joy. Now here, people don't like what Christ says. They're arguing, and always, I had a girlfriend, not Leslie. She's now a Buddhist, this ex-girlfriend. But she told me once, and I think I've told you this before, that she would argue with God. She was not a, a doubter, a potential agnostic. She wasn't like a disbelieving. She just was heavily opinionated and would get into fights with God about what she thought, where God and her mindset could be wrong about this. And she believed that one day she would win that argument. That's why she's a Buddhist. There is, what brought that up? Was I saying something important? Yeah, the people arguing with God. That's right. Thank you, Mike. Good to have Mike around. Follows my, the twistings of my two-lane road or one-lane meadow road mind. Uh, better than I. Uh, we argue with God. You surely can't mean this, Lord. You certainly can't mean that this is not going to succeed. When I tell people, you know, Jesus didn't tell you to start a movement called Christianity. And then you, you of course he did. Oh, you're supposed to preach to people. You're supposed to love people with the gospel. Because God does not desire the death of the wicked. He, he wants to save all men. But this passage tells you he's not going to. By a huge margin. Huge. You will never have the encouragement of Christianity being that popular. And if you ever do, you're not a Christian anymore. Because that's what happens. But Lord, Lord. Aren't we? We're, we're, all my pastors are dressed like Christians in sheep's clothing. You know what the sheep's clothing is? You know what it looked look like a Christian? You've seen people walk down the street. They go, that's a Christian. Right? Certain fashion choices. Certain kinds of Christians. Sheep's clothing. Sheep's doctrine. Sheep's miracles thinking that because they were doing some works of power, this is more important than your ability to walk on water, okay? So you say you're working at home, figure this out, okay, I'm a good Christian, and I got Christian clothes, and I've been practicing out at Spring Valley, and I can walk on water. And so you bring that little act into the church, we get a little basin out here, and you walk across the surface of it. Oh, my gosh. 
crowds just treble here. The people walk on water at All Souls Christian. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. A little hint there. Because he's saying, I want the fruit. The fruit isn't your doctrine, though that may track with it. The fruit isn't the miracles, though he himself did miracles. The problem is these are evildoers. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of his will being lived out, which is your righteousness, what he wants to have happen in you. Life, right? Because the important thing is the life. The important thing is not that it be narrow, hard, and few. You can arrange that by not bathing. You'll be alone. The, pro the thing is whether you get to life or do you get to destruction. The people who insisted on the wide way, the easy way, the popular way, and did miracles and held the doctrine and dressed like Christians, got destroyed. What is the destruction? Even if it's not a lightning bolt from heaven destroying you, but a, some kind of calamity of being. Because you know that when you do the will of the Lord, your life is good. Not good more, just good morally. It is, it turns out. You, if you've read uh, The Greater Trumps and you admired Sybil walking through the moments like a Christian, She's great. She, you you want to be this woman because her goodness, her righteousness is more powerful than people serving very intentionally the dark arts and trying to end Western civilization. And she's walking through it like nobody's business because I'm a Christian. And she's in her like 40s, unmarried, unsuccessful, but full of life. We get that life in the righteousness of Christ. I was thinking about various illustrations. You know, we were talking, I don't know what night this was, but we were talking about fake English accents. Um, some of you are actors, quit it. Fake English accents. Nothing can be worse. I'm just saying that because I can't do one. I was uh, at camp in Canada, 1960, something or other. My tent mate was a kid of a BOAC pilot from England. So we were the only two in the tent. So I ended up talking like an Englishman, I thought. It wasn't really effective, and it didn't stick. But, you know, the people who are doing their special accents, their French accent, their Australian accent, crikey. 
They don't know what they're doing. And you, who are from England or from Australia or from France, that doesn't sound like what we sound like, right? You need to have in your mind, not just because you could be this person, but you're also the person who is really the Christian, who's looking at all the people with the fake English accents, who would love to suggest to you there are paths that we could make this thing happen. We could get all souls off the ground here. It's a fake English accent. Sounds awful. He went on his way. This is in Luke 13, where I started. Through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, and this is a different phrasing here, Lord, will those be who are saved be few? Yeah, okay. This is the question. How many are going to be saved? And like the Lord leans into the mic and says, seven. What? What? Because you can already think of seven and your name's not on the list. But that's, what does he say? And he said to them, strive to enter by the narrow door. Didn't tell you this was going to be easy. Didn't tell you it was going to have multiple lanes, entrance ramps. Didn't tell you it was going to be 75 miles per hour or that there was any guardrails. It's difficult. It's hard. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. They will actually be looking for it. Just like there's the fakers, the people who are dressed up as sheep. <coughs> not about the power of God for righteousness. They're about the theology. They're about the numbers. They're about the success. They're about the miracles but not about the goodness. People want to be a part of this. People, I mean, love the church. I mean, the church is, it's got so many centuries. We're like the oldest club on the planet. I mean, our story goes back to the creation. You know, I don't know if you read Lord of the Rings. You do? You watch Lord of the Rings, Anders. It's different. Should I tell him it's better to watch the Lord of the Rings? Because it gets done quicker. Uh, when was Lord of the Rings written? 60s, 50s, something like that. Not that long ago, I was alive. And it just looks old-timey. There's lichen on everything. But we've got, in Christianity, we've got millennia. We've got castles, armies marching across the face of the earth. Wizards calling down fire from heaven, like Tim the Magician. we got stuff, and it's real. Everybody wants to be a part of this. This, is, this has got a lot of cool to it. Problem is that the God of it is, keeps saying unwise and non-productive things. 
like you'll try to get into this and you won't be able. When once the householder has risen up and shut the door, you will begin to... This is one of the rudest things Jesus ever does. It's a neener, neener moment. It's a sucks-to-be-you moment. You'll begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open to us, and he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. That's different than I never knew you. I was thinking, like, okay, maybe he doesn't know where they're going because where they're coming from. It's like a householder shutting the door against someone from out of town. And it's really the phrase, you're not from around here. And you will begin to say, no, no, but we are. We ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. There's an element we didn't pick up on. There was the miracles and there was the theology and there was the clothing. There was the devotion to the cause, which has got to change what the cause is. And now it's Western civilization. Jesus Christ, Christendom. We are not uh, really privileged to think of Christendom as the kingdom of God. Do you know why? Kingdom of God has different fruit than Christendom has had. Ever embarrassed about reading anything? <laughs> it's, it's awful. Don't, don't read it. Don't study Christian, Christian history. Because it will not reveal the kingdom of God deal. And if you have to back away and say, but no, we're... We're all part of that. See, these are the rest stops and the various things that we've made for this wide interstate to going to where we think you ought to go with this kingdom. We taught in your, you taught in our streets. You said, I, I, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Seems that the Lord isn't impressed with all this, but everything we offered to give Christianity. And what Christianity offers us, righteousness and loneliness, we're not really ready to pick that up. But the Lord says, there you will weep and gnash your teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourself thrust out. This is where it goes neener, neener. Sucks to be you. Won't it be just awful? He's talking to a bunch of Jews. It says, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the prophets, and probably a whole bunch of Gentiles, and you not in. Because you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm trying to do. God knew that the fall of man brought sin into the world. His son came to set us free from sin. And when you do not consider that the plan is about that, and it's about our team winning against the Muslims, more of us or flashbang, you know, miracles happening, or a real ex uh, understanding of, you know, all of the cool things and what, building design in Western history, 
You're going to be thrust out. And God does not care how many he has to thrust out because he's, he's not counting. He's not counting. We uh, are desperate to have our standards for the kingdom be met. <laughs> we really want the road wider. We want the way smoother. We want more using it. And to get that, you have to change the message. Lower the standards. Want more people to pass your class, you have to curve that exam. Give them extra credit. Well, if you do this and do that, if you're not so much about iniquity, if you at least say iniquity's wrong, if you agree with us about sin, but even if you keep doing it, as long as you're getting great results, Weeping and gnashing of teeth. What we want to change is so that the non-believer, to get at what we want, we don't want it to be so demanding, seeky-wise. We don't want it to be hard for them to find out something. We, it's natural. We want it to be God to be not just gracious, but gracious in, in what he's measuring in you in terms of his grace. That, okay, I'll just... No. <laughs> Boot camp story. Remind me, Mike, if I get off the track, track. We took tests, academic tests in boot camp. Darkened room, filling out computer, you know, oval sheets. Multiple choice tests the Navy put out there. Companies were judged on their grades. We were company 043. You wanted to beat everybody in marching, beat everybody academically. And so our company commander would stand at the back of the room. And he had a staff and he would tap out the answers on the floor. Andy, makes it easier. We did really well. And then we finally threw away our Italian company command, recruit commander and got a black guy. So our marching really improved. So we were smart and we could march. We want to change it so you don't have to be quite so seeky. It's amazing how much you've got to propagandize Christians to read their Bibles. If you don't turn it into a town-wide thing to do with everybody else doing it, nobody's going to do it, right? Unless you challenge them, because the word challenge always, oh, oh right, it's a competition now. I got to do this. He could have done it last year, but I didn't want to. You talk to people about righteousness. They don't want to be, and they think it's wrong of you to suggest it. 
Really. They think it is wrong because they will tell you, and I've been in some discussions recently, they will tell you, aren't you being a little Pelagian or a little semi-Pelagian at least? Yeah, sure. To the degree they believed in holiness and you should be holy. Well, I don't think that's what the Lord requires of you. We don't want it to be too seeky. We don't want it to be too good because if you have it be too seeky, and too good, ain't going to be nobody there. And you really need people to be there because you're measuring who you are by it. You're who you are as a person, what you belong to, how easy it is for you to believe in Jesus because there's a thousand people in the room, 10,000 people in the room, or you're part of a big movement across the earth. Where are you going to be? When it finally shakes out and the world gets really weird about Christianity and you realize, looking at your phone, there are only five people in the world that claim Jesus Christ and you're one of them. Still going to be one? Only five. We think we have to have the battalions. They have to, we have to have the many so that you could be convinced to believe. Well, then you didn't believe God. Abraham believed God all by himself in the middle of Mesopotamia, and there was no history of religion, his religion, before him. Our God is victorious because he is our God. He is, our, he is victorious because he is the high God. No one can beat him. He has already won. You don't have to worry. Take the life. The life is better. You go, yeah, it's a grass road. There's no guardrails. And it's a long way up and I'll never find my body. But hey, the end is life. Because you, you know perfectly well, the, you, you know it in your heart of hearts. You might say, I'm a little concerned about your map, Evan. I don't think it's that hard or that. You'll find, fine. Look something else up, but it's gotta find, you gotta find a hard, difficult, narrow way with few cars on it. Because if you start looking for the other, you end up in destruction. And it can look just like Christianity. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. You're good to us. We are thankful for the thousands and millions of people who are Christians, Lord, who really do serve you. We know that is a drop in the bucket in this world. Many other things are far more interesting to people. Lord, keep us from trying to make Christianity more interesting to people. Have it be your righteousness and people who are seeking you. In your son's name, amen.